It's September 4th, 2019, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, we have Bill Chismar from the UH Outreach College, and he's here to tell us about the, a new series called Digging Into Data. And then we have UH Chief Information Officer Gary Yoshimi and researcher Chris Schuler, and they're going to be talking about a cool technology called Hollow Campus, and we'll definitely get into that a little later. First up, Bill Chismar from the Outreach College here to tell us about the a UH Manoa workshop called Digging Into Data. Welcome to the show, Bill. Oh, aloha, Bert. Always good to be here. Now, Digging Into Data, of course, uh, you know, that really caught my eye and attention, and I thought, wow, this is a pretty cool uh, series of classes. Maybe maybe give us a little bit of uh, background on what, what, the, what, in, what entails this series. What is involved in this series? Yeah, at Outreach College, we do a lot of uh, non-credit professional mm-hmm. education programs, and we had last year worked on a series on innovation. And as we were talking to people, they were interested in data. They Mm -hmm. said, this is nice, but do we have something on data analytics? And so over the past year, we've been working on developing a series of workshops on data analytics. Now, you know, when I look at some of the classes that are being being offered, proposed, uh, they look like they could be regular credit classes, but these are are non-credit courses, right? Right. These are all non-credit courses. Um... They are all one-day courses, Mm -hmm. and the idea is to really give people some skills and knowledge that they can use immediately in their jobs. So the the audience that you want to... Appeal to is it is it the the working professional or is it is it students in grad school or who are you looking for? It's specifically the working professional. So anyone out in the Hawaii community who's working in a job where they have to do some data analysis or mm-hmm. work with data ana- analysts um, to get them up to speed on some of the technology mm-hmm. uh, and the analytic methods. So tell us a little bit about some of the classes you got uh, up. Uh, um, I guess. Uh, in store for us? So we have this fall. So the series is going to be a continual series. So we'll have different classes each semester. Mm -hmm. And we're starting this fall with four classes. Um, The first is on machine learning. So this is to get people to find out, you know, what is the current state of the art on machine learning? Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. People hear about it. Um, The workshop is designed for people who have some experience doing data analytics. Um, then we have two workshops that are s- around spreadsheets, mm-hmm. since spreadsheets are probably the most ubiquitous tool people have for doing data and analytics. About as ubiquitous as email, right? Yeah, but it's also most underutilized. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, most people don't get beyond the really basic use of spreadsheets. And so we have two workshops. One is on how to really position an organization to take advantage of the spreadsheet technology they already have to do data analytics. Mm -hmm. And the second is on um, more advanced techniques for using the uh, spreadsheets for, in particular, for data visualization. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of visualization, I mean, are you using, you're going to stick to the spreadsheet capability for visualization, or are you going to use things like, you know, Tableau or any of the other uh, visualization tools? Well, this one is specifically for the spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. Um, and the idea behind the series is that these are short classes, one-day classes, on a variety of topics. Mm-hmm. And so we want to serve the community with whatever topics they would like. And then uh, what's, the, what's the fourth class on? Then the fourth one is really on human-centric 
use of data analytics tools. So the idea is to really look at what difference does it make, who's using it. So how did you round up the, the instructors for this uh, series? The instructors, we're trying to get instructors from UH to take advantage of the fact that they're here mm -hmm. and also to allow us to repeat a course. If it's very popular with somebody here, uh, we can repeat it right away. Uh, and then we're looking for professionals in the business community mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who have expertise that can be of value to other people. So we're always open to anybody who wants to come and uh, think that they can give us a nice course for the community. Now, what's the, what's the relationship between this series of classes and the, the, the Data Science Institute that's, that's kind of forming at UH? Well, we're working with the Data Science Institute. Their mission is really to give programs for students at UH mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and to do research projects. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's their two main missions. Our mission is really to help the business community. Oh, okay. So we're working with them. And we will, if there's demand, we'll work with them to create some much more technical data analytics mm -hmm. courses. Mm -hmm. uh, so where can people sign up for this, uh, this series of classes? Then go to our website, uh, outreach.hawaii.edu slash digging into data. And then you, uh, so these four are the first uh, offering, and then you see, I guess, another set of four coming up maybe next semester. Yes, definitely next semester. And we're looking for input if anybody has a demand for some courses, um, let us know and we'll find somebody to teach them. Great. I'll put that uh, link up on our show notes for later on uh, this evening. Thanks, Bill, for joining us. Thanks, Bert. And of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Gary Yoshimi and researcher Chris Schuler to talk about Holocampus. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Island Insurance, and Sacred Hearts Academy. When you become a lifetime member, you're investing yourself in what you believe in. You do get a good feeling about what you're doing, and when you listen to these programs, I think it gives them a little more oomph. You know, you feel like you're helping to back it up, and this is what you enjoy, and you do what you can, and you, you do feel good about it and enjoy it more, I think. Hi, uh, my name is Meg Bergman, and I'm proud to be a sustaining member of Hawaii Public Radio. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm glad to welcome University of Hawaii's CIO, Chief Information Officer, Garrett Yoshimi, and researcher Chris Schuler, who are... Uh, recently, they demonstrated the delivery of a holographic lecture uh, from UH Manoa over to American Samoa. And really kind of it reminded me of Star Wars and Princess Leia. I want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Hey, Bert. Good to be here. Yeah, great to be here, Bert. Thanks. Now, now for our listeners, I mean, imagine you're you know watching Star Wars and you see the projection of Princess Leia. And this is a 3D holographic image. And and there's you know voice and and um, uh, sort of the the 3D imaging. Now this hollow campus reminded me a lot of that. And and Garrett, like, what was the genesis of this idea to actually deliver this capability uh, over the the broadband network? So the the genesis really came from Remy Galasso, the CEO of Hawaii mm -hmm. Submarine Cable Systems, and and he actually brought this up several years ago. 
um, as the as the system was being constructed, to to be a way to give back to education and the community to try and figure out you know what what could be done on the on the on this brand new cable system that had all this capacity and what kinds of you know from a from a promotional perspective as well what kinds of things would be able to demonstrate what what possible um, what possible scenarios are out there for use of the of the capacity that they're just going to bring on board so he brought this up you know he talked about it a lot of different times uh, you know the the pictures of princess leia come to mind and and everybody's yeah okay well really we're not really sure but you know what he put his mind to it he put his money behind it and he um he really delivered for us so in in terms of the the key pieces of the system that needed to be in place in order for this to actually happen what are some of the key pieces of that that uh, that system that puzzle that needed to be in place that that in 2019 it could be done yeah, so for the um, from the technology components and there's a, there's a huge human component one of them is yeah. sitting right next to us today but from the technology side there's really a couple of pieces one is the the camera and projector twin pair that um, are really important to project the actual image to make sure that the um, the the full image is projected for the audience on the other side of the of the connection. Uh, so that was provided. Um, well, so Remy provided it. Hawaii bought it for us from the a company called ARHT Media. Mm-hmm. So pretty cool stuff. If you look on their website, they did this for TED Talks. They do this for medical demonstrations. It's really cool technology. The other part of it that's super important is the kind of the unfettered point-to-point connection, high bandwidth between the two locations, so between American Samoa Community College and the University of Hawaii, and, and absolutely critical to have that connection as short as possible and as clean as possible. Mm-hmm, so one of mm-hmm. the things that they were able to deliver to us is a, an, a point-to-point dedicated gigabit connection between the two sites. Now, we get in, we'll get into a little bit more uh, technical geek, geekiness uh, in, in a little while, but uh, Chris... How did uh, tell tell us a little bit about the work that you do, and and how did you kind of get selected to be the the demonstration of delivering something to American Samoa? Yeah, sure. So, um, I actually just recently graduated with my PhD uh, from the University of Hawaii, and um, I started in 2013. And at that time, my advisor essentially asked me if I wanted to work in American Samoa. Mm-hmm. I said, where's that? And then <laughs> here I am seven years later. I think I've got about 60,000 Hawaiian airline miles from going back and forth 12 or 13 times. Um, so I go down there a couple times a year mm-hmm. um, doing research with the American Samoa Power Authority, the American Samoa EPA, also the American Samoa Community College, um, lots of different stakeholders down there, all focused on water resources work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as everybody knows, water's um, an integral resource. It's something that's very important to all of us, especially um, on tropical islands where, you know, we only have as much water as we have and we need it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the work we do really reaches out to a lot of the people down there. Um, so our program's pretty well connected with folks. And, yeah, I got a call from Gwen Jacobs, actually. Um, and she essentially said that folks down in American Samoa um, – you know, everybody knew me down there, and so I would be a good person to deliver this lecture. Oh, okay, that 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 totally makes sense. So, in terms of uh, you know the the uh, technology, you you weren't that you know sort of keyed into the delivery of a holographic uh, telepresence. You were more the content guy. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess I was the Princess Leia, <laughs> or uh, or I guess now hologram guy, as many people know me. Um, but yeah, so. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm a researcher um, with the Water Resources mm -hmm. Research Center, so not not um, really tied in with the Data Science Institute or anything like that, um, except for the work that I do, which you know, much much of science these days is very data science focused. So no, I, I do want to also talk to you a little bit about uh, what the experience was like actually delivering a lecture over this technology. But Garrett, you said something about the 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 actual connection, the direct connection, because that really makes a difference. I mean. You know, we Hawaii have connections uh, into into the continental U.S. So there's a lot of links over there. There's links into New Zealand, Australia, uh, also into Asia. But how does is this is a you said a direct link to American Samoa? And so you said it was a branching unit, a branching unit from the Hawaii cable. Correct, correct. So we actually take advantage of the way the phys the cable is physically laid out. Mm -hmm. So the path goes from Australia, New Zealand. Um, directly to um, the continental United States, they actually drop in uh, Pacific City in Oregon on the on the coast side, but they do stop off via these things called branching units in American Samoa and Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So what happened for this particular project is we were able to get with the cooperation of the Hawaii Cable folks and ASICA, which is the American Samoa Telecommunications Association, the Hawaiian Tel mm -hmm. of American Samoa, mm -hmm. if you will. But with a combination of those folks, they gave us actually a direct connection that didn't go with some elongated round trip someplace, but a direct connection between ASCC, American Samoa Community College, and UH. Now, in terms of the actual, uh, let's talk a little bit about latencies. What would be the latency difference between a direct connection between, uh, let's say, Hawaii and American Samoa versus uh, going a path like, you know, to the West Coast and then, you know, back down to New Zealand and then maybe American Samoa. Right. So if you went the roundabout path, you're talking about additional latency on the order of anywhere from 50 to 120 milliseconds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so while that may not sound like much, when you're talking about real-time conversations, anything north of 80 or 100 milliseconds delay between conversations your, your brain actually picks it up and it interrupts the kind of the interactivity of the conversation. If you remember the old satellite days mm -hmm. where it's literally a, a quarter mil, a quarter second between a send and receive and you, you talk on the phone and then you have the wait or the pause where you, your response comes back. Um, or if you're familiar with the, the stuff they do on um, live sports where, yeah, it's live, but there's that delay, that's, that uncomfortable delay. Uh, it's not really that long, but it's uncomfortable when you're in a conversation. Uh, where, whereas where for a direct connection, you don't get that delay. It is, in fact, an interactive experience. Well, you know, I've already dated myself by, you know, reference, referencing uh, Princess Leia. But, you know, the, the, so the latency between Manoa and, and American Samoa was about how, how many milliseconds? So in our case, we're talking probably sub-35 milliseconds. Wow. Okay. So it's, it's, it's literally across the, across the hall. Mm -hmm, um, and mm -hmm. it's at that level, your brain cannot tell the difference. It's, it seems instantaneous for the brain. Um, because it is so, it is so quick, and you know that kind of latency would be also um, what, let's say, esports gamers would be looking for, right? Absolutely. I mean, that kind of very fast. So you can actually potentially have servers located in Hawaii, and then they could have a team in in American Samoa playing, uh, you know, League of Legends or something. Yeah, so that's something that's really interesting. So the folks, the teams, the esports teams that play out of UH Manoa and some of the other local schools. They're actually used to that delay where servers are maybe on the mm -hmm, West Coast mm -hmm. or some other country, as is different from somebody that's located right next door to the server. So mm -hmm. you actually train yourself to deal with that delay a lot of times. And it's, um, it's different. It's a different experience. 
Well, you know, I tell you, you know, we're always uh, looking at ways to improve uh, Hawaii's latency from <laughs> to you know to the rest of the the net. Now, uh, Chris, you know, in terms of delivering a, a 3D uh, lecture, um, you know, typically you would do something over video conferencing. So you would have maybe your picture on a on a monitor, and you know, you'd have an audience over there, and they would be kind of interacting with you, and you know, there would be mics and you know videos and people could share screens uh and that's one experience what sure. would you how would you characterize a sort of a 3d experience yeah well one of the one of the uh, unfortunate aspects of um the setup that we got was that we did not receive um the one of the transmitters so i was not able to see myself directly in three-dimensional mm-hmm, hologram mm-hmm. um i was able to see myself on the video screen as they had pointed a video camera at me. Um, But uh, folks that I've talked to down there said it was pretty cool uh, to see it in person live there. Um, Now, in terms of, okay, so uh, granted, you didn't see yourself, but (laughs) as the people on the other side saw you as a a 3D projection, do you think or feel that it was a little bit more of an intimate experience for them? I think so, yeah. And, you know, certainly it's more... You know, it's more exciting. Um, it's more novel, and yeah, really face-to-face connection and face-to-face communication. You know, it's it's important for everybody. Um, but I think especially in American Samoa, and so being able to bring that a little bit closer than that two-dimensional screen, I think really kind of does something visceral for you know our, our connections and our relationships with people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you 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 think that the um, just judging from the the technology, it it does have added sort of nuances that would perhaps differentiate itself and, and perhaps even uh, uh, propel its, its uh, uh, not only usefulness, but, you know, uh, functionality, I guess, uh, in terms of delivering information above and beyond the 2D version? Yeah, I think, you know, I think enhanced functionality somewhat, but, um, you know, almost just kind of the... Um, almost the vibe of it mm-hmm. because, you know, the, the, it's set up on a stage. So as um, you're delivering a lecture, as you're, you know, um, being projected, you're on a stage with big bright lights, um, you know, kind of like a K-pop star sort of thing. Secret. And then I'm not actually a secret <laughs> K-pop star. But, um, and then on the other side, you know, they have a stage with um, – what I what I heard was kind of a a, a large cylindrical screen mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know just sort of the setup there I think it lends itself a little more towards yeah kind of like that lecture or that seminar or you know President David Lasner was up there and that kind of like important person up on the stage motif more so than the sort of like YouTuber on my laptop screen kind of feeling oh, so okay, you know I, th- okay. I think the feeling that it does convey yeah you know it, it, it's more of an event than yeah, it is necessarily yeah, yeah, just yeah. like, you know, a, a podcast or a video or something. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I think I, I see what you're saying. You know, you could do you could deliver a lecture over Skype, right? And you're just talking to your laptop. But sure. now you're actually yeah. kind of in a performance mode. So you're you have to get in the right frame of mind for that. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I do want to uh, talk a little bit about the kind of the cost effectiveness of this technology. But I want to hold that thought. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with both UHCIO uh, Garrett Yoshimi and researcher Chris Schuler about 3D holographic telepresence. This is Bite Barks Cafe.
Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Shamanad University and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, uh, we're talking to University of Hawaii CIO Gary Yoshimi and researcher Chris Schuler about delivering 3D lectures via a technology called Holocampus. And of course, right before the break, uh, you know, we were talking to Chris about how he had to get into the right uh, frame of mind to be in this performance mode. I mean, you know, like the K-pop star that he is, you know, you have to really look at performing if you're going to be on stage. And rightly so, you know, the, the technology that's involved uh, you know, there's something called the Augmented Reality Holographic Telepresence. That's the company that actually does the the uh, projection and, and um, you know, sort of transmitting uh, equipment. And, of course, you know, the stage and the, you know, the screens that are all set up. So it's a pretty, a pretty involved and I would, I would venture to guess, you know, fairly expensive setup. Um, you know, Garrett, I mean, what, what do you think, what would be some of the things that would prove in the cost effectiveness of this? So one one of the great things about the setup and the the initial trial is all of the costs were covered for us. Mm-hmm. So literally our out of pocket was zero. Mm-hmm. The um, we did invest. So we made a we made a space available. Um, we did invest in some of the local connections and provided hookups for the gear and stuff. But um, you know, at the the generosity of Remy in this particular case was fantastic because he basically said, you know what. Paying for this is not an issue. It's covered. Everything is covered out the gate. So literally our out-of-pocket investment was zero. Now on a going-forward basis, it would be very interesting, As in fact, as Chris mentioned earlier, it would be interesting to see what the kind of multiple point-to-point things would happen or how they would um, improve interaction between multiple sites. So if there were um, kind of multiple originate and receive sites on the same conversation, you know, what would that do to the um, to the effectiveness of the of the conversations and mm-hmm. the, and the interactions really between the multiple people, um, we, we're not really sure. We haven't dug into the cost details at this point. It you know some of the equipment in particular, and I think I think maybe you had a little peek at some of the projectors and cameras that were involved. So those kind of high high value pieces. Um, are really key to the solution, but a lot of the other pieces involved, the the monitors, the um, the stuff that connects everything together, were really commodity pieces. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's not cheap, but from the from the aspect of you know what can we do with it going forward, I think it gives us the opportunity to try and figure that out, mm-hmm. to try and see what some of the options might be. And then to to see what the costs uh, are to expand the solution. So um, that's it's a long I don't know, <laughs> but um, it, it's a pretty cool I don't yeah, know because yeah, we get yeah, to try yeah, it. We yeah. get to try it before we actually we actually jump into it. Now, now, Chris, you said that uh, American Samoa was is a place that you uh, continue to do your research, and you have uh, flown back and forth, you know, a lot of times. What do you see as being the balance between? continuing to do kind of the face-to-face interaction as well as leveraging this technology? And and would there be cost savings since you wouldn't have to fly over there as much and, and maybe that could go into, you know, some of the equipment? I mean, where do you see the, the balance coming out? Sure. Yeah, and I've actually, um, you know, as a researcher, kind of been thinking about how I could actually use this technology in my research, you know, working with stakeholders down there. 
Um, and I think, you know, educational interaction is a really huge um, way to use this kind of technology. But, you know, with research, having meetings with folks and, you know, doing things like demonstrations or if we have, you know, specific objects or rocks. I'm in the geology department as well. It's where I got my PhD. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to show somebody a rock, you could show them a flat rock on a screen or you could throw them a, show them a three-dimensional rock on mm -hmm. a hologram. And so I think that that could be useful. So, yeah, I'm still kind of trying to figure out how we can leverage this technology, specifically in my research. Um, but hopefully I'll get the chance to do it. They actually, you know, they told me that, you know, the equipment is still there. I can reserve the room and, you know, make connections um, whenever they have a space and whenever I'd like to. So hopefully I'll, I'll get to that in the future soon. So, Garrett, the, the equipment is still there. I mean, how long is it going to be uh, made available? And, and what are you doing, let's say, on campus to get other departments maybe interested to, to explore the idea of delivering you know, lectures and information over this network? So the great thing about the equipment is it was donated to UH. Um, so it's there, um, it's there and it's for our use, uh, as well as the, in fact, as well as the connection between the two locations. Mm -hmm. So that's, those resources are there. They're available for, for our folks to use. Um, we're, we're using our existing resources to schedule and to, um, to staff and support the location. So, in fact, as now is a really good time to try and book connections <laughs> because the line isn't super long. Yeah. But you know, subsequent to the, the demonstration, we've already received both calls and emails from actually from both our campuses as well as from the American Small Community College side trying to inquire as to, so what do we think this might work or how do we think this might work? Um, so we have scheduling assets set up to try and figure that out. And then, you know, frankly, at this point, it's first come, first serve. And right now the calendar is pretty open. So folks that want to try it, um, we have to coordinate both sides. Mm -hmm. So there is, you know, there's two ends to this, and there's tech support on the other side as well. But um, the the resource, the great thing is the resource is now available to us and for our use. Now, can this be expanded beyond American Samoa to other locales? Absolutely, absolutely. So this is um, this is commercially available equipment. So ARHT Media, as as you noted earlier. Um, manufactures this stuff and distributes it for other uses. If you so actually, if you go to the website, you see a bunch of the other commercial uses that they've they've already done. Mm -hmm. um, we could add additional receive sites. We could add additional transmit sites. We could do multiple sites in the same location. So it's it's really about the use case. It's about trying to figure out what the appropriate use cases might be, and then to um, to construct those cases. So this company, uh, Augmented Reality Holographic Telepresence. I mean, if you if you're interested, you can Google that and look it up. But what do you see as their uh, future? You know, obviously the equipment is pretty expensive, but do you see the prices coming down because of perhaps? Uh, uh, more mass consumption or mass utilization of this kind of technology? So I think in general, technology prices come down anyway just because, um, you know, some some prices are forced that way because of mass consumerization of the product. Mm -hmm. So you're not, you, you probably won't see consumerization of this stuff mm -hmm. for for a while. But the prices will come down anyway just because of the, of the technology side. Just that the, the pure technology cost curve will drive the prices down. Um, and it, it's really going to be about adoption, about trying to figure out where these can be placed to, to optimize use, to optimize the, the human resources that sit on the, the ends of the conversations. So uh, in the last uh, couple seconds, I mean, where do you see that? What's the next class? Chris, you going to have another class or, or lecture delivered? 
Yeah, maybe I'll give a seminar down there. That'd be great. They're always asking me to do seminars when I'm there. So well, now, invite now me so that me. I can I can see the the actual you know immersive experience. Sure, Bert. So where can where can people find out more information about this uh, capability and technology? So the technology side, you can go to the RHD Media site, and the um, in fact the Hawaii folks have posted their promo videos, which blends a lot of this stuff together. Super cool videos on their LinkedIn site as well. Very good. Gary Yoshimi is the CIO over at the University of Hawaii and researcher Chris Schuler is at the Water Research Research Center. I want to thank you both for joining us today. Thanks, Bert. Oh, it's fun. Thanks, Bert. And of course, uh, thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we will talk about building the next generation tech force. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You stay awesome, and we'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Is that-